Welcome to episode 49 of The First 40 Miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, this month my very own mother celebrated a major milestone birthday, so we're sharing some of her wisdom. Then on the Summit Gear Review, learn how to play music for days without recharging. On the Backpack Hack of the Week, you'll learn how to use a common bathroom item to prep for your next trip. All this and that's about it. Today on The First 40 miles. Last year before Josh and I left on our trip around Mount Hood, I sent an email to my mom saying, Mom, I'm going on this trip. It's 40 miles. Here's what we'll be doing. Do you have any advice? And of course, you only had a week to get ready. And the word advice, when a mom hears the word advice, her ears perk up and she is like, She's ready. She's ready to go into action and share the advice that she has. So my mom typed up a pretty, I'm not going to say tome. It was was pretty succinct, but it was a very full email that had her advice. And I wanted to honor her today by sharing this email that she wrote to me because it was so helpful to me, and I feel like it will be helpful to our audience as well. And this one's going to be our top five list for today, but it's actually a top 17 list because your mom had 17 points in her email that she shared with you, points of advice. And I got to say, only your mom would get away with turning a first 40 miles top five list into 17 points. It is a mom's prerogative. They change the rules. But your mom gets to do it. She gets special privileges today. And she sent this email on September 7th, 2014, just eight days before we left. She starts out, Dear Heather, what a wonderful challenge. Sounds like you're hiking with an experienced group. Good. Number one, walk every day between now and then on uneven terrain that has up and down. Rocks to climb over, places that are steep, areas that have exposure. Use your poles. There are muscles you don't use walking around the neighborhood that you need for climbing along a mountain trail, and you need to be prepared psychologically for the terrain. Note, 10 miles a day is a long hiking day. Number two, get a pedometer. Hike in batches of a minimum of three miles a day. You can stop to catch your breath, but do you have the strength to do that much in a morning or afternoon? Check your exhaustion level. Number three, collect the lightest and best gear possible. Trekking poles, sleeping bag, sleeping pad, cooking gear, stove, camelback. Borrow what you can. We love the pocket rocket stove. Your group will need one for every two to three people. 30-pound pack sounds too heavy. You'll be grateful for every ounce you leave behind. Then hike with the pack. Uphill will be hard. Very hard. Number four, find the lightest and best pack possible. I love my Deuter ladies pack. You will be astounded by the difference a perfectly fitted pack can make. No weight on your shoulders. Instead, it's on your hips. Number five, check the weather. It looks like no rain in the forecast. Take as little rain gear as you can. It's always heavy. But if there's a chance of rain, you need to stay dry. Six, 
You're wise to do the shakedown hikes, as you will learn if you can go the distance and if your pack is too heavy. Boots don't need to be broken in anymore, but your feet do. Blisters and bruising are your enemies. Have moleskin with you and know how to use it. Number seven, pack vitamin I for pain relief. Ibuprofen. Call me about how to use it. Eight, practice sleeping on the ground with the sleeping mat you've chosen. If you can't sleep, hiking the next day will be tough. Consider Benadryl and maybe some earplugs if forest sounds keep you awake. Number nine, will you be sleeping under the stars? I hope so. Tents are heavy. Number ten, read blogs about hiking Mount Hood so you know the tough days and the easier days. Study a map of the area. Discover how much elevation gain each day. Keep it doable. Eleven. Do everything you can to keep from any injury. The stronger and more experienced you are on uneven terrain, the safer you'll be. If you're near a stream, soak your feet. Twelve. Test all your gear in advance. Make sure you can handle everything. Especially become proficient in using trekking poles. And if you have to set up a tent, try that in advance and make sure you have all the pieces. Thirteen, know your water sources each day. Never carry too much water; it's heavy. But don't be caught without enough. Fourteen, get ready to be smelly by the end of the hike. You don't get to put fresh, clean clothes on every day. Sorry, but that's the truth of backpacking. That's why the shower when you get home is so wonderful. Fifteen. Learn how to cross streams without getting your feet wet. Soggy feet can mess up the rest of the day. Number sixteen. Have a song in your heart all day long. Number seventeen. Don't hike so fast. You miss the beauty. Let's talk tonight. Love, mom. That's a great collection of advice. Each one of these seventeen points really could be its own episode. We could really talk for a long time about each one, but I kind of wanted to pull out the ones that stood out to me that were the most important pieces of advice that she gave that made the the biggest difference on that trip. And they're all equally important. So <laughs> maybe I'll just touch on the ones that gave me the greatest peace of mind. Number ten, where she talked about reading blogs about hiking Mount Hood, we really studied a certain section of that hike. It was the Elliot Wash. It was a section of hike where a bridge had actually been washed out, and so you had to go down one part of this canyon or wash and up the other side to get through it. So we had heard that it was really dangerous. It was closed. You couldn't actually do that section of the hike.、And、so we read a lot of information on the internet. People who had been on that hike who posted pictures, who explained their route and explained how they did it, and that was really, really helpful. So I'm glad that she recommended that. She recommended leaving the tent home. That's something that we haven't quite brought ourselves to do yet. Personally, I was glad we had the tent. I think it was well worth the extra couple pounds a piece that we carried, especially on the night when it rained. I think it's something we'll work up to eventually, and not for every trip, but you know, an occasional trip here and there. I think、mm-hmm. that would be fun. You know, she talked number six about doing the shakedown hike. I did the shakedown hike, kind of the pre. You know, testing to see if I was physically in condition to go on a backpacking trip. If it was something that I 
could handle. So I did the shakedown by myself, just going up a street and going back down for six miles. The second shakedown hike that I did with my actual pack and all the stuff that I was going to be bringing on that trip, on that little hike, I wore shoes that were a little bit too big. On that shakedown hike, I actually got a blister and I was so glad that I did because I'd been so nervous about getting blisters. And so to have that happen before the trip, it made me realize it wasn't the end of the world and that I could treat it, keep hiking, not a big deal. And that shakedown hike convinced you to toss those shoes that you'd bought, especially for this trip, and actually go with some running shoes that you already had. And they worked out great. It was also good advice uh, from her to know our water sources each day. As we went around Mount Hood, there were lots of water sources. So in one way, it would seem like, oh, it wasn't a problem. There's water everywhere. But half of those water sources, I would say, were glacial runoff. They were so silty that if you wanted to filter water out of those, you'd clog up your filter pretty quick. So it was good to actually know where the small streams were rather than those huge rivers that were coming right off the glacier. And of course, my favorite water source of all was that one that we found Wednesday morning that was a spring coming out of the mountainside just 50 feet above us. Oh, that was lovely. Number five made me smile. She said to check the weather. And then she checked the weather for me and said, "Eh, it looks like there's not rain in the forecast. Well, since then, I've learned always bring rain gear. I, I will probably never go on another backpacking trip again without rain gear. It's just something I will always have in my pack because of my experience on Mount Hood last year. We'll always remember that morning. And it was great, though, that you reached out to others in the group and they were able to sort of uh, outfit you between a a garbage bag and uh, some Tyvek wrap and you survived. (laughs) But yeah, you took that advice a little too far, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a list. I'm really grateful to my mom for putting this together for me last year. It made a huge difference with my experience on the trail and I think it will help out all of our first 40 milers as well. For today's Summit Gear Review, we are reviewing the Kala brand Makala Waterman Uke. So number 16 of our top five list this week was have a song in your heart all day long. And to me, that means either having something to listen to or something to play. And one of the easiest instruments to learn how to play is the ukulele. So this Kala Waterman ukulele is something that you can take with you. It's waterproof, it's made of plastic, and it can go with you on any backpacking trip, any hiking trip, it can go with you to the beach, it can go with you to the bathtub. It's the perfect instrument to take with you on all your adventures. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. For lots and lots of years, you've played the guitar, and you've got the guitar sitting in our house, always ready to play. But a few years ago, something happened and you decided to get a ukulele. How did you discover the ukulele? Well, you and I were invited to go up to a girls' camp where our daughter was spending a week, and as we were sitting there talking to the girls, there was another group, maybe 20 feet away from us. They were a Polynesian group of girls, and they were passing around ukuleles, and they were singing, and they were laughing, and they were so happy. Like they were just having the best time. I thought, 
obviously, there is a major component of my life that is missing, and that is the ukulele. It is how, it's how you be happy in life. You buy a ukulele, you learn how to play it, instant happiness. I don't know how to play the ukulele, but apparently it's quote unquote really easy, according to you. It only (laughs) has four strings and you just learn some simple fingering and you kind of strum it as you sing and that's all there is to it. And I remember it made you so happy. I would come home from work and you were just sitting on the bed (laughs) strumming the ukulele with this big smile on your face. Apparently, ukuleles are actually kind of a thing on the trail. Of course, they're small, a lot smaller than a guitar, so it makes it at least feasible that you could carry one around. The host of Trailside Radio, he goes by uh, the trail name Ratatouille, On episode eight of his Trailside Radio podcast this year, he talked about finding a ukulele that had been left in a hiker box on the PCT. And so he picked it up. And as he was hiking along on the PCT, he just figured out how to play his ukulele that he'd found. And I'm not sure, but I think he kept it with him through the whole hike. He just loved it. So if you decide to bring a ukulele on the trail, apparently you'll be in good company. And if you bring the Kala brand Makala Waterman uke, then you know you'll have something that's not going to fall apart. So this ukulele is completely waterproof. And one of the nice things is even though it's plastic, it has really high quality strings. I can't even stress how important that is. One of the things that I love about this ukulele is that it can play for hours without recharging. And you just can't say that about your iPod. And with fall coming and the sun setting a lot earlier, sometimes you just need an activity to do once the sun has set. And playing the ukulele is a great way to gather everyone together at night. You can have a little fire and everyone can sing songs around the fire with your little ukulele. The Waterman ukulele is 14 ounces and it does come with a carrying bag that's included. With the carrying bag, it's an even pound, so the bag itself is about two ounces. For maintenance, this ukulele is waterproof and it's very durable. Even though it is waterproof, apparently if you play it underwater, it just doesn't quite sound the same. However, it does work in the rain, so... That's good. (laughs) And you should probably mention uh, one of the maintenance tasks on a ukulele, any ukulele, is to keep it tuned. So what do you suggest? Well, if you're going to be bringing your smartphone with you, there are some really great tuning apps. The app that I like to use is called G-Strings. And so you just play a note and then it will tell you how far off you are. And if you're new to the ukulele, you might want to bring along a little cheat sheet or a little piece of paper that kind of reminds you what each of the notes are. You could even write with a Sharpie G-C-E-A on like above each of the strings. The app is really helpful. G-strings. It's a good one. If you look at the back of the ukulele, there are some Phillips head screws that kind of keep everything together for tuning. All the tuning pegs are attached with Phillips head screws. I have never had to ever touch my ukuleles with screwdrivers before. I mean, you could bring a little multi-tool on your trip, but I doubt you would ever have to do any kind of repair or tightening or anything on your ukulele. So in terms of investment, uh, this uh, Waterman Uke is $56.99. And if you go for the clear one, they're a little bit more. So I guess just depending on what you want, it's 
you know, around $57 for a really great instrument. Well, it's a great deal compared to like our son's trumpet or, you know, any of those band instruments that you end up buying for your kids in school. A ukulele is a really affordable option. So for trial, we loved or I loved playing this ukulele. I compared it to the other ukuleles that I have. I noticed that the sound on this Waterman uke doesn't carry for as long as my other ukuleles, and that's called resonance. So when I strum my other ukuleles, the sound lasts for a long time. And on this one, it's a lot shorter, which I think is actually a benefit on the trail because you don't want to serenade all the camps around you, you kind of want to keep the sound to yourself, like in the Leave No Trace principle, where it talks about letting nature's sounds prevail. You know, the ukulele is just such a gentle, kind of personal instrument, and this one is a little bit quieter than other ones that I've used, which is perfect for the trail. If you're considering bringing along a ukulele on a backpacking trip, you may want to bring along a little chord sheet or some sheet music. And one of the places that I go for sheet music is called Dr. Uke, and he has a really great selection of free printable ukulele music, and it comes with the chord symbols printed on there. And as you look at that music at first, it may seem a little bit intimidating, but what you need to realize is those little boxes that are above the words, they're called chord symbols, those little dots inside the boxes show you where to stick your fingers. So playing the ukulele is almost like a paint-by-number type thing. You just put your fingers on the ukulele in the boxes where it says to stick your fingers and strum and you have a song. Another thing that might help you as you're experimenting with the ukulele is pretty much 90% of the songs written in the last one to 200 years can be played with three chords. And that's C... F and G. And the fun thing on the ukulele is that C is just one finger, F is two fingers, and G is three fingers. And then back to C. And then if you want to get really advanced, then there is A minor, which will open up worlds of possibility for you. And that is also one finger. So you can do the whole, that little chord progression. <laughs> cool. And you can impress the whole forest. The best way to demonstrate trial use of a ukulele is to actually play the ukulele, like to play a song. Right here, right now? <laughs> I yeah. couldn't, I don't have anything prepared. <gasps> oh, just pull something out. Okay. Three chords, maybe four, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood. Yonder till I see the mountain rise. 
I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences. Gaze at the moon until I lose my senses. I can't look at apples and I can't stand fences. Don't fence me in. For today's backpack hack of the week, we have a DIY pack scale. With some simple math, you can figure out your pack weight. So first, weigh yourself on the bathroom scale with your pack on. Then take off your pack and weigh yourself. Then subtract the little number from the big number and you have your pack weight. Some people go a little bit further and they want to know their base weight. Base weight is a term that ultralight backpackers use and it's their pack weight, so all of their stuff packed minus the consumables. So that would be food, fuel, and water. So when you read up on ultralight backpackers uh, boasting about their 15-pound pack or, you know, something that kind of the sub-20-pound pack, uh, you do have to kind of ask, is that including water, food, and fuel or not? And many times they're not. So I have a question for you. If you were to reduce your overall weight, you plus the pack, does that have a benefit on the trail? In other words, is taking a pound off of you the same as taking a pound off of your pack? Oh, I bet your feet would thank you. Although you would lose some of that padding around your hips, maybe. So. Oh, yeah. So I guess that the weight on your body is more evenly distributed and balanced, whereas the weight in your pack is sort of external to you. So I suppose that pack weight is probably, quote unquote, worth more. Like a, a pound off of your pack probably has more impact than a pound off of your body. But I don't know. For someone that's a little overweight, then maybe here's a different way to think about your backpacking weight, that you could think about it in terms of replacing your tent with something that's a pound lighter. Or you could think of it in terms of losing a couple pounds towards a, a fitness goal or a weight goal. And that you might do that instead of spending a few hundred dollars on a tent. Well, definitely losing personal body fat is going to be a lot cheaper than trying to lose a couple pounds in pack weight. Yeah, it's, it's something to think about anyway. I guess just a word of warning, though, I, I wouldn't treat it like uh, wrestlers do. They try to get their weight down by like starving themselves of water, you know, right before a meet and that kind of stuff, where they get down to um, unsustainable weight levels. That's not what you want to do right before a backpacking trip. I guess the best preparation for a backpacking trip is to be fit, to be out there putting some miles under your feet, doing those shakedown hikes, getting ready for the trip, getting the exercise. Yeah, so anyway, that's just a little extra something to think about with this uh, an extremely simple backpack hack. Well, if you follow us on Facebook, you saw recently that we posted about a new Kickstarter campaign. It's for the Seg Sack, and it started October 7th, and it's going to go through November, and it's already, well, by the time this episode goes out, they may have reached their goal. It's a great product that I think backpackers will all be very excited about. It's a stuff sack that's compartmentalized. So it has dividers inside. It's called the Seg Sack and it's made by Gobi Gear. So we'll have the link in today's show notes. And today's show notes are at the first40miles.com slash 049. 
And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Thomas More. He said, Nature, like a most indulgent mother, has placed her best gifts out in the open, like air, water, and the earth itself. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. that were going on the trip that were going on the trip with us that we were going on the trip with guys that were let's see (laughs) and strings back in the olden days used to be made of cat gut cat like cats meow well who knew that a backpacking podcast would all of a sudden inspire someone to pick up a new instrument (laughs) I did I knew that (laughs) It was my agenda all along. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The music makes a good ending to a segment. It does. Sometimes I think we should have bumper music. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make our own.